Uh, hey, being a young adult over COVID meant that maybe some of you had to put off travel plans. Is there anyone here that planned to travel over the last couple of years and hasn't been able to? Yeah, yeah. Well, when I was a young adult, just a few years ago, uh, I went on a holiday to Thailand. It was my first overseas trip as uh, on my own. I was about 24, I think, and I headed off to Thailand just for a couple of weeks. And I met my cousin in Bangkok. Has anyone here been to Bangkok before? A few people. Yeah, well, you will enjoy this story, I think. So I met my cousin in Bangkok. My cousin's about five years older than me, and she's very well-traveled. She is a single, independent woman, still is and was then, and she was very, very well-traveled. I was completely green. And so I met her there, and our first day in Bangkok, we decided to jump onto a local bus and head to what's called Chattachak Market. Now, Chattachak Market is apparently the largest open-air market in the world, I believe, or it was at the time. So I love a good market. Who loves a good market? So um, we jumped on the bus and headed on there. I had my backpack on my back, though on the bus I took my backpack off my back uh, and sat it, I'm pretty sure, on the seat next to me. I was enjoying the scenery, checking out Bangkok on the bus, and then my cousin says, quick, quick, Sal, this is our stop. Quick, quick, jump off. So in, in, hurry, in a hurry, I jumped up, jumped off the bus, saw it drive away down the overpopulated street, and my heart sank as I realised that my backpack was still on the bus. Now, for those of you that have been to Bangkok and you know how crazy the traffic is and how overpopulated it is, you can imagine that your mind would go straight to where mine went and I thought, my bag is gone, it's as good as dead, I'm never going to see that again. So we, we enjoyed our day, we still went to the, I had, I had my bum bag on. So still had my passport, so that was all right, and my credit card and some cash, so I could still do the market. So we went to the market, and the next morning we had a chat to our um, concierge at the desk of our hotel, and uh, we explained that we'd lost my bag, and we asked if he could call the bus company to see if perhaps by some miracle there was a lost property system and that maybe it had been found or handed in. To our surprise, it actually had been handed in and it was waiting for us at the bus station for us to collect it. Now that in itself is an absolute miracle for those of you that have been to Bangkok or any kind of overpopulated Southeast Asian country uh, or, sorry, city you can imagine. Uh, so we decided that we would go on the trek to get my bag back. Uh, they said, the concierge said that he could organise a taxi for us for about 80 or $100 Australian, which was ridiculous price to pay for a taxi in Bangkok. Now, I personally thought, that's $100 well spent. 
get my bag back, continue with my holiday, Bob's your uncle, no worries. Now, my cousin, however, who was a well-seasoned traveller, she was like, uh, 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 we are not paying $100 for a taxi in Bangkok. It's the principle of the thing, Sally. We're not doing it. So she says, we are going to public transport it. I'm like, great. That went well for us yesterday. So that's what we do. We get the concierge to write down the details um, of the bus station where our bag, my bag is, and off we go. We jump on a bus and we head to a bus station. We get to our first bus station and we find out. Uh, we go and ask at the desk if it's there. It's not. <laughs> so um, we kind of fumbly try and explain to these Thai bus company workers uh, in our English, trying to explain to them that we've lost a bag and we're trying to find it and we're showing them where we need to go. So they send us on another bus to another bus station and of course it's not at that bus station. Uh, at this bus station we find ourselves in kind of like this semicircle of Thai men and we're standing here in front of these parked buses and we start miming and acting out the scenario of us losing our bags. So it's like 35 degree heat, we're sweating like pigs. And my cousin, who, if you can believe it, is more extroverted than me, has a bigger personality than me, it is possible. She is acting out me losing my bag. So she's got her backpack and she's like walking along. She sits it on this um, step of a bus, a parked bus. She pops it down. I'll just, I'll just mime it for you. Oh no, we've lost the bag, it's gone. So we're acting this out and the group of Thai gentlemen are doing exactly what you were doing and they were all just laughing at us. Anyway, they send us off on another bus ride. And on this bus ride, we get to the very end of the line and the bus driver is ushering us off saying, it's the end, like no more stops time to hop off and we were like no no we need to go to the bus station because we've got our bag at the bus station now we've been at this for about five or six hours by now and I was so done I had said to my cousin numerous times let's just give up like honestly it's not that important don't worry about it you know the language barrier was too big we just couldn't do it and I was like I know it's out there somewhere but we're never going to find it. Anyway, we find out there was this lovely man on the bus and he said, I speak English. Would you like me to help you? We are like, yes, please. So he chatted to the bus driver, ex explained what we were doing. And it turns out what we really needed was not the bus station, but the bus depot. And so all the other lovely, helpful people along the journey um, they probably knew that we were saying we needed the depot, but it didn't make any sense that these two young Aussie girls would need to go to a bus depot. Anyway, the bus driver says, oh yes, the bus depot, it's just down this little dirt road here. Just jump on off and go for a walk. So in faith, we get off the bus and we walk down this dirt road to a sea of buses. It was basically a huge paddock full of buses. 
and scattered throughout this paddock were little shacks with a number on the top, which indicated where all the, you know, number five buses would park at that shack, and that was the staff room for all those bus drivers. And there was the number 10 shack over there with number 10. So I think it was number five. So I'm walking through this dusty paddock, and I see, like, the number five, and I see my bag through the window of this little shack, and tears start to well up in my eyes because it had been six hours. I start running, I can see my bag. <laughs> and we finally found the bag and these lovely gentlemen gave us a beautiful drink of Coke and we sat there laughing and trying to have this hilarious conversation where they couldn't understand us and we couldn't understand them and it was all, all good fun. But it was basically a miracle. It was a miracle that I would get my bag back after losing it in Bangkok. And today, I felt led when I knew that I was speaking to share about the parables of the lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost son, also known as the prodigal son. And so tonight, I'm just going to share a few reflections on those parables, and then we're going to lead into a time of communion and share in communion together. So I'm going to start by reading to us from Luke chapter 15, if you've got your Bibles with you, you might want to grab it out and have a look because you might want to refer back to it as I'm speaking. You can look it up on your Bible app on your phone as well if you'd like to. So I'm just going to read about 10 verses uh, from Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 1. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, for I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. And then he goes on to say, Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and she says, rejoice with me for I found my lost coin. And in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then Jesus goes on to share about the prodigal son. Now, I won't read the prodigal son. I'm going to assume that many of us here know the story of the lost son. If you're here tonight and you don't, I encourage you to read the prodigal of the lost son. You can go home and Google it 
and you'll be able to find it really easily. But in in the story of the lost son, a son goes to his father and he says, I don't want to live with you anymore. I don't want to do life with you anymore. I would like my inheritance and I would like to leave and live life my own way. And so he takes his inheritance, which his father willingly gives him, and he leaves. And he lives life his own way and he gets himself lost. Now, in these three different parables, the first two speak to us, uh, don't tell us how the sheep got lost from the rest of the flock. And in the parable of the lost coin, we don't know how the coin got separated from the rest of the coins. But in this third parable, we know that the son willingly and knowingly got himself lost. He chose to separate himself from his father and from his home. The first two parables speak to us of Jesus' passionate and unrelenting pursuit of us as individuals. These parables speak of God's pursuit of the individual. And tonight, if you hear nothing else but this, then I'm okay with that. God is passionately pursuing you. He loves you and he longs for your company. And Christmas is the perfect example of how much God loves you and how he is pursuing you. That God would send his son Jesus down from heaven to passionately pursue you, to make a way for you to be in relationship with God. You know, the image of the shepherd searching for that lost sheep has been hugely playing in my mind this week. And the words that Jesus uses when he describes this um, have really kind of left me floored a bit this week. Because Jesus doesn't say that the shepherd goes out and just picks up the sheep and carries it home. No, the wording that Jesus uses here, he says that the shepherd joyfully puts the sheep on his shoulders. God takes joy in carrying us. That is mind-blowing. And so tonight I'm wondering whether maybe there's some of us here who need to allow God to carry us. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what this Christmas season is like for you. Um, I don't know what you're struggling with or going through at the moment. But I feel like God wants to say to you tonight, let me carry you. Not because I have to, and it's not a chore, but let me carry you because I take great joy 
in carrying you. Um, when I was picturing this image through the week, I was reminded of my kids when they were little and uh, when I would need to pick them up to carry them somewhere. And I was reminded of what they're like when they don't want you to pick them up. <laughs> my kids tend to do, do this manoeuvre. I don't know if you've had to babysit much or, or if you've got little kids yourself, but my kids kind of do this when they don't want to be picked up. <laughs> and <clears throat> this image was really strong in my mind because we need to allow God to carry us. We actually participate in his carrying us. Not that we carry the weight, you know, like not that we strive in that, but that we actually need to posture ourselves in a way that allows God to carry us. And so I really sense that maybe there's some people here tonight that God is saying, let me carry you through this season. Let me carry you. Uh, let me read a little bit of the parable of the lost coin again. Jesus said, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? So in this parable, the woman represents God and the coin represents us. And how does the woman find the coin? She turns on the light. She shines a light into the darkness. And I was drawn back this week to the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, right back to the beginning of time, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit from the tree, and then what happened afterwards. Let me read to you just a little bit from this story. They've eaten the fruit, and then it says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the, Lord God, or from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. You know, God knew where they were. He didn't not know where they were. So why did he ask? Because he was drawing them out from the darkness and drawing them out into the light. He was asking them to participate in being found. Just as the woman in the parable needed to turn on the light, so Adam and Eve needed to come out from behind the trees and into the light. And tonight I wondered whether maybe there's some of us here who have been hiding in the dark. Maybe, maybe we feel afraid. Maybe you feel ashamed. 
maybe there's a particular area of your life that you're keeping hidden. Do you need Jesus to shine a light into the dark places of your life tonight? Another image that came to mind for me uh, this week as I was preparing to speak tonight is the image of playing hide and seek. Now, some of you here tonight might have kids. Maybe some of you have babysat kids before and played hide and seek. Or maybe some of you here um, have nieces and nephews that you, you get pulled into playing hide and seek with. My kids... I used to love playing hide and seek with them when they were little, before they really understood that just because they can't see you doesn't mean you can't see them. I've got a picture here tonight of my daughter when she was about four playing hide and seek at my in-law's house. So this is Grace successfully playing hide and seek with you know, her hands just hidden in there. I'm sure her eyes were closed. Hiding in plain sight. I thought I'd share with you a few other pictures of some kids playing hide and seek tonight. Where is he? Can't you, just, can't you see that? That's just totally Adam and Eve to me and God's like, where are you? This one's great. I love this. I feel like this is me in my relationship with God. If I just shove my head in here, maybe it will all go away. Good old behind the curtain trick. I think, oh, and you think, is this the last one? This one's great, because I'm like, oh yeah. So good. Oh, this is classic. How cute is that? Love it. So good. This, these images, I feel like, just perfectly represent um, what, really, what the Christian life can be like. You know, as God was walking in the garden saying, where are you, to Adam and Eve, he knew full well where they were. And he was simply waiting for them to kind of remove their hands from their eyes in a way and to allow themselves to be found. The woman with the coin shone a light around the house. She shone a light in the darkness. And my bag in Bangkok, it was found before it was lost to me. But there was this barrier. There was this language barrier that was stopping us from finding it. The first two parables that I referred to earlier in this passage of scripture speak so vividly of God's pursuit of us, his desire to rescue us, to carry us on his shoulders and to bring us home. And he will shine a light in the darkness that draws us out from behind the bushes into his light. And the third parable of the lost son is this beautiful picture of God's patience. 
in his pursuit of us, his patience. Just as my father-in-law stood at the door watching Grace hide, so does the father wait on the porch of the house for the son to come home to allow himself to be found in his father's house again. Now, I don't know about you and where you're at in your relationship with God. Perhaps you're like me and you've been a Christian for a really long time. Perhaps you've been Christian for just a year or two. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a couple of weeks. Or maybe you're here tonight and you're not even a Christian yet. In my faith journey, I've learnt that I need to continually be found because I continually get lost. Life is complex and there are many aspects and parts of our lives. And I, I find that in my faith journey, I need to allow God to find me again in different areas of my life. Kind of like different rooms, if I was to use the the image of my daughter on the bed. You know, sometimes in the area of, of my relationships, or the area of my marriage, my parenting, um, my, my own kind of thought life, I often find myself needing to be found again or feeling lost in particular areas of my life. And often I might feel lost, but the reality is I'm hiding in plain sight and God is standing there patiently waiting for me to allow myself to be found again. And so tonight I wondered if maybe there's some of us here who are feeling a bit lost in a particular area of our lives. Maybe for you it's in a particular relationship. Maybe it's in the area of your finances. Maybe I'll ask you that in a few weeks after Christmas. I'm definitely lost in the area of my finances this week before Christmas. Your, maybe it's your, your own identity and your self-worth, your self-talk. Maybe you're a, lot, a bit lost. Maybe, maybe it's in your attitude towards church. And maybe for some people tonight, it's your prayer life your devotional life, you're a bit lost. Maybe for you, it's in your family and you know that Christmas is coming next week and you're feeling anxious about that. Maybe there's a habit in your life that you've been keeping hidden. Because it can feel like God isn't there in those places or in those rooms but like the father on the porch waiting for his son, or like my father-in-law standing at the door, 
while grace hid. God is actually ever-present in those situations and in those areas of our lives. And he's simply standing there at the door, waiting patiently for us to be found. Maybe for you, something else has come to mind as I've been talking tonight. And that's great. Something that you know you need God to be present in. So tonight, we're going to have a time of communion together. And there's nothing better than communion to remind us that there is no longer any barrier separating us from God. There's nothing like remembering the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus to cause us to remove our hands from our eyes, to come out from the bushes and to be found in his love again. So I'd like to invite the worship team to come on back up. And before we take communion tonight, I just wanted to read a scripture from Colossians. And as I read this scripture, I even encourage you to just close your eyes. And as I read these verses, maybe visualize yourself coming out from the bushes or rolling over on the bed. <laughs> or coming out from behind that pole. So let me read from Colossians chapter one, verse 21 and 22. It says this, you who were once far away from God, you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. I'm gonna read that again. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the, death of, through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. And so as we take communion tonight, as we take this little bit of cracker that represents his body and as we drink some juice that represents his blood, Let's allow him to remove the barrier that's been separating us. Let's not hide in the bushes in fear and blame, but let's step into the light, receiving the forgiveness that's offered to us in Jesus Christ. And let's be found in him afresh tonight. And as we remember the death and the resurrection of Jesus, I encourage you to do that 
with specificity. Oh, I said it right. Bringing that specific area of your life before God and asking Him to shine on it, bring it into the light and remove the barrier. So why don't we pray and then we'll have communion together. Jesus, we thank You that You came to earth that very first Christmas because Your love for us was so great that You needed to pursue us. Lord, that You have been pursuing us from the beginning of time and from the moment that we were knit together in our mother's womb, You have been pursuing us. And tonight, as we remember You, Jesus, we posture ourselves in a way that allows You to carry us through this season, that allows You to carry us through our struggles and our challenges. And Lord, we bring those dark places of our lives to You tonight. And we ask that You would shine Your light, that You would draw us out of the darkness and that You would reveal to us what the barrier is that we've been creating for ourselves. What's that barrier, Lord, that we've been putting up that's stopping us from recognising Your presence in those situations and in those areas of our lives? So we ask as we remember Your sacrifice, we remember that You have removed every barrier and that You've reconciled us to Yourself. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.